that was a, a more of a straight ahead verse chorus kind of album but, but if you listen to Wrecking Crew they're doing some really great stuff in it Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Sail On Podcast. This is Wyatt in Nashville, and I'm here with Jason, as always. Hello out there in streaming land. Today, we have a lot of stuff to talk about, so let's get right into it. First off, we have some shows coming up. If you guys aren't aware, we have a tribute band to America's band called Sail On. And we have a lot of shows coming up this year. We just announced a bunch of them over at our website, which is sailonsounds.com. I'm going to give you guys just kind of a preview of all the states we're going to land in this year, um, and there's going to be more added to that list. But we're definitely going to be in Florida, in Iowa, Wisconsin, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Maryland, Georgia, North Carolina, Ohio, Delaware, Pennsylvania, Illinois, South Carolina, New York, New Jersey, Texas, Colorado, Arkansas, so many places and so many more to come. So I really hope that you guys can come catch us this year. We're looking to do almost 100 concerts this year, so hopefully you guys will have 100 chances to see us play. Yeah, we're still trying to get over to the West Coast for you uh, for you Californians and uh, Oregonians and Washingtonians. Uh, we're sorry. Early 2020, that's going to happen. We've got some stuff in the works, but... Um, for our uh, 2020 tour, not to be confused with what the Beach Boys will probably be doing. <laughs> if, 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 <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, which is interesting. Will they be doing a 2020 tour this year <laughs> since it came out 50 years ago this year, or they will they do it in 2020? They'll start it this year and they'll keep it going. Yeah, you're right. Because you know they're not going to do a Sunflower tour. <laughs> right. I mean, let's be honest, they probably won't. Anyways, so thank you guys for checking us out. Uh, if you're just joining us, again, I'm Wyatt, that's Jason. And we're going to start off today with some new voicemails we got from some friends of the pod. First up is Todd Vidim. Well, good day, Sail Honors. This is Todd Vidim calling from South Florida. In terms of Sail On, I see you have a swing finally down into this area. I'm hoping to secure tickets. And that is something I'm definitely looking forward to in early February. Just listened to the uh, Beach Boys Today, part one, and I love the way you guys broke down when I grow up. I have a, re- a, re- a newfound, not refound, but a newfound respect for this song because I had always thought it was the Wrecking Crew and the guys came in and just sang on it. But to find out that it truly was a production of the Beach Boys as a unit. I think there's a popular misconception that uh, all that stuff after uh, Surfing USA pretty much was just a, uh, a bunch of vocals, but uh, they really kicked butt on that one for sure. Uh, that, w- that song would have been a top, a top career-making hit for any other band, but because the Beach Boys were competing with themselves at the time, it doesn't seem to take the same uh, gravitas into the new millennium. A number nine song on the charts with that complexity that would be the show-stopping encore song for anybody else touring from that era you guys had a great bit about talking about some of the solo stuff upcoming you definitely need to work that in there's all kind of great stuff out there i want to know the story behind celebration how the heck could the beach boys brian allen mike disguise themselves as celebration and slip a song onto a soundtrack what was the what was the need for that there's all kind of other great stuff. The Beckley, Lamb, and Wilson album. I want to find out more about that. Some of Brian's activities in the early 70s with both Spring and California Muse Bandler. He was doing a lot of stuff, apparently, um, with Bruce and Terry 
in uh, that California music uh, thing, which was uh, interesting. So keep up the good work. Looking forward to seeing you guys live. Looking forward to listening to all your great upcoming podcasts. And thank you so very much. Take care. Bye. Well, you're asking a lot of questions that I'm sure me and Wyatt both also want to know the answers to. So I think we've got some good knowledge on some of that stuff you were curious about. Uh, Spring is awesome. We kind of already touched on some spring stuff when we did our Honeys episode, but I imagine somewhere down the line we'll we'll jump into a little more of that. Uh, But yeah, I've always been pretty fascinated with all those side projects and and you know the short answer for me for right now which i'm sure we'll get more into later you know they were in between record contracts a lot during the 70s and i think they were just they kind of at that point learned how to use aliases to make extra money outside of deals they had so that's usually the reason for side projects yeah i think mike was always working on some side hustle of some sort because the Beach Boys were so volatile at that time. I mean, it was like any moment they could be gone just like that. So I think there was just all sorts of irons and all sorts of fires, especially for Mike at that time. But um, <laughs> I really like the uh, that song, um, Almost Summer. I think that's a great oh, song. It's a Brian all, song. All-time jam. definitely get into that when we pass that road um and we'll definitely you know go into some more depth with the spring album because we really really dig that record i think it's one of the coolest kind of still undiscovered um gems of the uh the beach boys legacy so um i'm really pumped about getting into that stuff more and thank you very much for calling us todd that's an awesome voicemail and i really appreciate you coming out to see us if you can make it so look forward to meeting you Thanks a lot, Todd. Coming up, we got another voicemail. This time, it's from Murray Passaroo. Hello, Wyatt and Jason. My name is Murray. I'm calling from Carlsbad, California. I'm originally from Texas, but my heart is in the Deep South, so I'm so glad that the Beach Boys podcast, the only one I know of, and it's got to be the best one if there's more than one, is by two guys with such awesome accents. Anyway... Um, just wanted to say that I'm really loving this podcast. I just discovered it, so it took me a while to catch up, but now I'm caught up. And it's just been a blast from start to finish hearing all about the greatest rock and roll band in history from two people who obviously love them as much as I do. Um, I came to the Beach Boys when I was five years old. I was sitting in the floor of my mother's house, coloring, playing, I don't know what I was doing, and she stuck some headphones on me. I'd never really listened to music before. I didn't know it at the time, but it was 1974, so Endless Summer had just come out. And that's what I heard. I heard those 20 songs, and I loved every one of them, and I still do. The next year, Spirit of America came out, and she bought that, and I couldn't believe there was 20 more great songs that good by the same band. And after that, it just became a lifelong thing for me. With a short break of thinking the Beatles were better when I was around 10 years old, that lasted a couple of years, and then I figured out I was wrong about that, and the Beach Boys are the best. So um, I'm sure I'll be calling more than once, and I have a lot of really weird opinions on the band that most people don't agree with. But just real quick, I think my favorite album of all time is All Summer Long, but my favorite song of all time is When I Grow Up To Be A Man. Keep doing what y'all are doing. It's awesome. I, I just can't say enough good things about it. Talk to you soon. Bye. Yeah, so thanks for picking up on our awesome Southern accents. <laughs> I think that it's very obvious if you listeners, if you haven't realized that me and Wyatt are both Southern boys. Um, pretty awesome that you kind of got 
indoctrinated into the Beach Boys right around Endless Summer. That was a great time to be a Beach Boys fan because if you just discover them at that point in the 70s, they're still kind of a really good viable live band and they've got a killer catalog for you to discover. So, I mean, that's best of both worlds if you ask me, Wyatt. Yeah, thanks very much for calling, Murray. And uh, really, really cool story. It's kind of similar to how I grew up, just kind of indoctrinated by my parents with the Beach Boys. Um, and, uh, it stuck with me all these years and, uh, really, really pumped to hear your weird, uh, opinions that you say you have about the band because, uh, there's lots of weird opinions in this fandom. So, um, they may not be as weird as you think you may find a friend with an equally weird opinion, but thanks for listening, man. I really appreciate the comments and we are going to keep going. We left off last time with the boys on tour in the Southeast with a brand new touring member, Bruce Johnston. And they just released their second number one hit with Help Me Rhonda. And Brian was in the studio recording the backing tracks for their upcoming LP. So on April 14th, Brian brought in the Wrecking Crew to Western Studios as he does. And they had a new track they were working on, a really psychedelic kind of fun song called Amusement Parks USA. Yes. Let's take your car and do Amusement Parks USA. At Palisades and South Murray Parks, the rolling coasters are flying. At Euclid Beach on the flying turns, I'll bet you can't keep from smiling. In many ways, this is a thematic rehash of County Fair and a more advanced, you know, obviously they had more at their disposal at this point. So it's uh, there's all kinds of bells and whistles in this one and uh, features uh, Hal Blaine not only on drums, but also as the carnival barker. psychedelic trip to Disneyland you know for those of us who didn't have access kind of one of those you know living out the fantasy world of what it would be like to go to all these amusement parks and they're talking about hitting all these different spots and Coney Island and Palisades Park and and Disney and it's 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 just like it's like California girls but for amusement parks it's pretty awesome and uh, it was also in my opinion I don't know how how direct this was or even if it was on purpose but it's also in my opinion a rewrite of the frankie and annette song that they did on one of those beach movies it's called surfer's holiday that brian and gary usher and roger christian wrote and we talked about that a bit on our beach party episode but um i picked up on that definitely the the chord structure and some of the melodies if you go back and listen to that it's definitely derived from the same spot but uh it was released as uh, a single in Japan, actually, which I thought was really interesting. And it reached number three. And the B-side was The Rocking Surfer. Like, how bizarre is that? Yeah, it is strange. And I don't know. I I have no idea why that happened or why it was so popular, but maybe it was one of those things where it was like, you know, Japanese people were excited to hear about, you know, an American tradition like, you know, amusement parks. Who knows? I mean, is I guess that was before they had Disney World there. But uh, you've also got a rad uh, laugh track by Brian that I always really liked and emulated a lot when I was growing up. Um, and I think this was, you know, Brian was definitely on some stuff when he <laughs> came up with this song. Um, but it's a lot of fun. I really dig it. I think it's uh, 
a better version of County Fair. Let's put it that way. But um, I give it a six out of ten. I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with six out of ten with you as well. Uh, I've always liked this track. It's super weird. You know, I never really looked at it in the psychedelic format. When you say that, I was like, yeah, I kind of I kind of <laughs> can see that. I also just looked at it like, for some reason, it kind of reminds me of like, I don't know, some of those really bad Elvis movies at times. I don't know why that is, but it just does. Um, it's just a very strange track, but I love the ambition of it. And, you know, honestly, I think that I don't know how much it's true, but you can kind of hear where he would go later with some smile stuff in this, to be honest with you. And I think you can hear, I wonder if the Beatles listened to that weird track because it's, you know, got some stuff that would maybe come across on Sergeant Pepper later even to me. But that's just all... You know, probably a product of the times at any rate. But anyway, yeah, six out of ten. I actually agree with you. That I think that it is kind of a precursor to what was going on with Smile, kind of outlandish. Yeah. And also, yeah, for the benefit of Mr. Kite, I bet the Beatles did really dig this. Um, somebody should make a mashup sort of like the shortening bread suite, but do like a carnival suite of all the like wild carnival-esque songs that Brian did. Yeah, he did a the lot. Beach Boys. So yeah, there's at least five different things. Um, I want to commission someone to make that sweet carnival bry. <clears throat> Absolutely, or Carney Wilson. <laughs> they uh, they finished the vocals for this song in May at Columbia. Again, they were using um, Columbia Studios to do vocals because it had an eight track recorder. It was the first of its kind, so they were able to go and do a lot more tracks. But yeah, also, yeah, pay attention to the Hal Blaine, the Hal Blaine Barker script um, has a nice little play on words. He says, um, come on in and see Stella, the snake dancer. She shimmies, she shakes. She's got the biggest asp. So I thought that was pretty funny. Love it. That Hal Blaine, he's a joker, man. Anyway, the band was continuing on tour through the end of April with Bruce and Glenn alternating for a few days at a time along the Eastern seaboard because they both had responsibilities they were taken care of. And the band was back home for about 10 days and then back in the studio with Brian. So they went in to do a new Brian Wilson song that was called Girl Don't Tell Me. Brian was on a honeymoon with Marilyn in early 65 when the song took shape. Brian says, A whole song came to me. It was Girl Don't Tell Me. I didn't have any way to get it down, but I just heard the whole thing up there from start to finish, and I remembered it well enough to go later and write down the lyrics on a piece of paper. Carl's first lead vocal since Pom Pom Playgirl, which is pretty awesome. Um, and this is the first session that they did that featured Bruce Johnston. He played Celesta on this. Um, and it's obviously inspired by Ticket to Ride and, and just, you know, the general feel of a lot of the Beatles songs at the time. People talk about a rivalry between the Beach Boys and Beatles, but that's not the right word. There were messages that got sent back and forth across the ocean. They would do something, and I would hear it, and then I would want to do something just as good. 
When they played on Ed Sullivan in February of 64, the world went crazy. Seven months later, we were on Ed Sullivan too, and they were putting out records almost as fast as we were. The Beatles' second album and Hard Day's Night right after the Sullivan Show, and later Beatles for Sale and Beatles 6 and Hell. Girl, don't tell me you So what do you think about this one, Jason? Obviously, you can hear the the guitar styling of the Beatles and, and kind of the birds, too, with this song. So i am always been really big into this song, always loved it. I actually even had to play this song once or twice, like when Explorers Club didn't have enough songs, we attempted it, like, in practice a bunch. So it was a big inspiration for me. So, you know, 8 out of 10 just seems so right. Yeah, I'm with you. It's an 8 out of 10 for me, mostly because of the song itself. It's awesome. I think it's a little bit sloppy as far as the recording goes. You've, you've got the um, doubled acoustic guitar and the Celesta um, and Denny's drums, of course, but um, not a lot going on. I like the, the arrangement of it, um, and I love, love, love the song. And uh, I think Carl's vocal is outstanding, too. And it's obviously uh, very inspired by... John Lennon's vocal style and even the little inflections in Carl's voice. It's very, very John Lennon. And Carl was the biggest Beatles fan out of all the Beach Boys. So I know he was stoked to get to sing this one. The Beatles were kind of notoriously mocked for being loose, you know? So like, you know, there's a great Buck Owens thing where they do a Beatles imitation at one of his concerts and it it's pretty darn good, but it's just so sloppy and you can tell it's like totally mocking them. But anyway, so I wonder if Brian was like, yeah, we got to have that kind of more loose laid back thing going on here. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely part of it. And it's just different. You know, it's just, it's just, I, I know that they were doing all this stuff, this grandiose stuff, you know, they just did California girls and all this stuff that was larger than life. It was kind of cool to go back to the combo feel, especially just there's like nothing going on in this track. It's very simple. Just the Beach Boys plus uh, their buddy Ron Swallow on tambourine. So pretty awesome. Um, Definitely one of my favorites on this record. Moving along on May 3rd, the Beach Boys were working on a ballad and it was a cover of the Crystals song produced by Phil Spector. The original was Then He Kissed Me, and they reworked the lyrics to call it Then I Kissed Her. 
Um, the arrangement's great. I'd give it a 6 out of 10. So I love this cover, always have, and going back to something I said a minute ago, when I first started playing in our band, we used to play this song all the time at practice, and we did it at a couple shows, like our first show we ever played, we played this song, and I played the Brian Wilson arrangement, obviously. Um, I love this song, I love the organ line and the in the bridge or whatever. I think Al's vocals killer. I know it's just a cover, but to me it's the definitive version of this song. If you, if you really want me to go there, I like the Spectre version is, is awesome. I love Phil Spectre, but I like Brian's version a lot better. And I go seven out of 10. It's maybe one of the highest I'll give to any of their covers because it's one of my favorite beach boys covers. A couple days later on May 5th, they went back in to Western studios to do a, Four Freshmen cover, written by the Sherman Brothers, song called Graduation Day. This was a staple of their live show for several years, and... Um, this one never came out on a record. Um, I think this was intended for the Summer Days, Summer Nights album, but also you can hear Bruce saying something about how it would sound coming out TV speakers. So I think maybe they were doing it for a TV show. Um, I don't have that info, but if you know, send us some info and fill us in. But uh, really, really dig this recording. Um, I think they really, really did a great job, and uh, the vocals sound great. So, six out of ten for me. Graduation day. Oh, sounds great. Really, it sounds good. Just do one more. All right, I'm gonna take a picture. Wanna send it back so they can get stoked on? Can we take? Why don't we take it from the? the uh, no, look, Brian. What? Well, how come you're not going up at the end? We're gonna we're gonna go down. Sounds better. It doesn't right? build up as much when you go yes, down. It does. I like the bass voice and the. Yeah, but we will come across on the little two-inch speakers on TV, home and home. It'll come mm -hmm. all across. There's a time for joy, a time for tears, a time we'll treasure through the. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go six out of ten as well. I love the, I mean, I love it when they do four freshman songs. It's always killer. So, you know, I can't say much more than, I mean, the Beach Boys singing straight up bass, you know, uh, classic harmony music. <laughs> Nothing's better than that to me. On May 7th, they were back on tour. Beach Boys played in Birmingham, Alabama with the Rolling Stones, the Righteous Brothers, Marty Robbins, Sonny James, Cannibal, and the Headhunters, Skeeter Davis, and Bill Reeves. I thought that was a crazy lineup. Ooh, Skeeter. Um, just kind of down the road from us in Nashville. So I thought that was pretty awesome. It's like soul music, country music, and the Beach Boys, and the Rolling Stones. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally awesome lineup. So how many shows did they do? This is kind of a total aside, but it looks like they did some shows with uh, Sir Douglas Quintet, which I'm a huge fan of, which is awesome. Beach Boys and that would be a great show, too. We should do an episode, Wyatt, sometime about uh, awesome Beach Boys touring packages of the 60s. Yeah, I don't know if that's a full episode, but <laughs> we can. I think you just, oh, I think you, you just covered it right it there. Is. <laughs> Moving on. We've got... Uh, 
another session on May 12th. Brian went in again with the Wrecking Crew to do a new song, an instrumental called Summer Means New Love. This was done at Capitol Studios, and they finished it up at Columbia on June 1st with the guitar overdub by Tommy Tedesco. And uh, this is a beautiful song, maybe my favorite song on this record, to be honest. What? Yeah. I love this song, man. I play it all the time. It always brings me up, man, when I'm down. Um, there's something about it, man. It's just and the and the the title is awesome. Summer means new love is such a great title, and I wonder if you ever wrote lyrics for this. I don't have that info either, but um, it's just an awesome. We know he did later. Yeah, we're gonna pretend like that didn't happen. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, Brian obviously he redid this song on no peer pressure um, and wrote lyrics to it and all that. And um, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's definitely, you know, got that Pet Sounds vibe to it, in my opinion. Um, it was released as a Brian Wilson solo B-side to Caroline No a year later. So that's very cool. Um, and uh, on the same day that this was recorded, Girls on the Beach movie was released, which had um, several cameos by the band. I thought that was cool. Um, it is. But yeah, I love this song, man. I give it an 8 out of 10. I really want to give it a 9 out of 10, but um, I'm going to stick with 8. I don't want to go nuts, but I love it. It's probably my favorite song on this record, believe it or not. Well, I'm agreeing with you, 8 out of 10. It's awesome. I've tried for years to uh, capture the magic of this recording with one of my own because it's really magical. It's kind of cool to note that Brian is the only Beach Boy involved on that track because the boys were on tour while he was cranking out some killer tracks with the wrecking crew so yeah love it totally down the next leg of the tour they added glenn campbell as the opening act and uh that was when bruce kind of came in full time with the band i think you know obviously glenn just had his own solo career he was wanting to do and um obviously they also had just released i guess i'm dumb so Wish I had some footage of Glenn opening for the Beach Boys. That would be awesome, but I I don't think it exists. I wonder what he was playing then, you know, because he right. that was this was still before he had his established sound out. I guess he was just going out there and playing probably his guitar stuff that he played like on Shindig. Yeah, yeah, and he was probably doing some standards and stuff too. So yeah, um, yeah, really cool. Um, really awesome of the boys. I think they did that as a big favor to Glenn as well. Obviously, he wasn't an established solo artist yet, but um, really cool lineup. The tours continued, and on May 24th, the boys were back in California doing some more songs. They went in to Western and did a new song that Brian and Mike wrote called The Girl from New York City. please and then after the third round we're into the chorus we're d g d g d g back and forth four 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 like that okay okay let's have a real big ballsy take and that's that'll be about it okay here we go take 12 thought this was great because they just got back from New York and um, it's a really cool answer to 
the boy from New York City by the ad libs. And uh, it's got a really cool groove to it. It was actually released in Greece as the B-side to Wild Honey. What a weird B-side for Wild Honey. There's all these weird international releases that kind of come out of nowhere. Like the song you know, selections are so weird to me. But I you mean, know I can say with Wild Honey, though, in this, they kind of, not really in sound at all, but definitely in like feel and tempo and even kind of the guitar lick in both songs kind of don't aren't too far apart just to be honest with you i think it fits a little bit better than amusement parks usa and rock and surfer but um i still think it's interesting that they jump around you know jump from wild honey to summer days summer nights but anyway who knows they had their reasons but um, I dig it, man. You've got um, kind of that mix of Beach Boys and Wrecking Crew on this one. You know, you got uh, Carl on guitar, Al on guitar, Bruce playing piano. Um, and then you've got Hal Blaine on drums. You got Ray Pullman on bass. And uh, obviously all the Beach Boys on vocals. No Dennis on this song. But I really love the vocal by Mike on this one. And obviously the backing vocals are pretty stellar. They're going back into Columbia to finish up vocals on these songs, and this, the the vocals stand out to me. Um, and great horns on this, of course. Um, cool arrangement, and a really cool way to kind of incorporate more East Coast vibes. They're trying to take over that East Coast that was uh, being ruled by Frankie Valli and, and the likes. So right. um, I really dig this song, man. Six out of ten. Yeah, I mean... It's a rock and roll, Beach Boys, you know? Um, I always loved cranking this one up. Um, big into this song. Six out of ten for me. You can definitely tell for you guitar nerds out there that guitar, Carl's guitar is definitely plugged straight into the board. There's no amplifier on that guitar. That's why it's so trebly clanky and also why it's so present in the mix. I know you also love the Mike Love bass part on this one yeah <laughs> there it is of course man that's killer i love yeah, it yeah it's great all right next up they were also doing a song called you're so good to me another mike and brian song boom This one, um, mostly just the Beach Boys again, but you've got Ron Swallow coming in playing tambourine. And also Marilyn did some harmony vocals on this. So I thought that was awesome. I always love when she gets involved. But um, what a cool song, man. What a great kind of nod to Northern Soul music. Brian was really inspired by that. And um, he said that it was spearheaded by sending a guitar through a Leslie organ speaker. It gave an eerie effect, he said. So obviously a very um, a, a well-known sound nowadays, but back then it was a little bit um, experimental. You're kind of small and you're such a doll. I'm glad you're mine. You're so good to me. Al Jardine says, I remember how hilarious that session was. Brian would have us in the studio as soon as we returned from the road because he was so impatient to get us back in the studio. We started laughing around the microphone so hard that I couldn't stop laughing. The actual muscular requirement to sing the la-la-la-la-las made my tongue start to freeze up, literally. From the exertion after being on the roads for so many months, I completely lost control of myself and fell on the floor laughing. So yeah, I mean, it's a really great vocal, um, nothing too intricate or crazy, but um, really, really cool. I, I can definitely hear everybody kind of blending on this one. You kind of pick out who's singing what, which is always fun. Um, I mean, great vocal by Brian on the lead, obviously. I love when Brian kind of does a belter. Um, 
And oh yeah. yeah, you know, nothing too intricate, but just a really great song, really great feel, um, really good lyric too. Um, give it a seven out of ten. Man, seven out of ten. I'm agreeing with you a lot on all these because you're just dead on. And <laughs> I mean, seriously, this is a great song. I love this song. I wish that Ceylon played this song. Um, it's really one of my favorites because to me, it's very much more of a new sound for them. It's a little more 60s, if that makes any sense. Because, you know, so much of their early stuff is rooted in earlier rock and roll. And this is a new thing. This is a new st- style, you know, like you were saying about the random influences and things like that. But, I don't know, I love that it's got its own thing going. You can definitely tell it was influential on the Beatles, for sure. They picked up big time on this track. I mean, this sounds like... oh yeah a later Beatles song to me. Um, and it's just got all the right ingredients for an incredible track. And I know it's a very simple song and it's not a massive hit single, but to me it's a landmark Beach Boys song because it's so creative. And it's still fun and sun and all that to an extent, but it's definitely a new direction. So I'm way into that song. I love that song. Another weird pairing. This one was released as the B-side of Sloop John B., so I thought that, that makes was a little more sense. Yeah, I mean, time-wise it does, but the songs yes. are very, very different. Um, but yeah, we'll get into that sooner than later as well. Next up, an interesting song that Brian did called I'm Bugged at My Old Man. And boy, oh boy, here we go. I'm bugged at my old man Cause he's making me stay in my Cut off my hair last night in my sleep. <laughs> the credits on this one on the back of the album sleeve says um, the lead vocal is by parentheses too embarrassed. So um, just a little joke. Obviously, it's Brian, but um, it's Brian on piano with Carl Dennis and Marilyn singing um, the backing vocal. And. Basically, this is just a filler comedy track that we've kind of become accustomed to. But there's a strange, charming, and, you know, also kind of dark element to it. Brian was obviously still frustrated with his father. His parents recently moved into separate houses um, in a Los Angeles suburb. And it was around this time that Murray sent Brian a rambling eight-page letter on the letterhead of Sea of Tunes, their publishing company that he and Brian set up to manage their songwriting. And it was a crazy, crazy letter. Um, you can find it online, but I'll just read a couple excerpts from it. Maybe now you can begin to understand that the last seven years has been almost a living hell for me. And although I have wanted to give up completely on two separate occasions, something told me to hang on and keep trying because I felt my sons were worth it. I could no longer reach you and your natural resentment against me, which had been building up through things mentioned before in this letter, became magnified to the point where you acted like you hated me on many occasions. No matter how many hit songs you write or how many hundreds of thousands of dollars you may earn, you will find when you finish this short cycle of Beach Boys success that you didn't do it honestly. And for this reason, you are going to suffer remorse. I have been trying to fight you on every act of what I thought was not honest to protect you from yourself some five or seven years later, because I knew that when competition hit, you would not be able to cope with this vicious competition, regardless of how talented you are, because you get so much too fast. And the fact that you used your own father and then threw him away when you thought you didn't need him will come back into your mind over and over again. I cannot believe that such a young, beautiful boy who was kind, loving, received good grades in school, and had so many versatile talents, could become so obsessed to prove that he was better than his father. I can tell you, although I am strong in many areas and consider myself fairly competent in, in not one area of music, but in countless other fields as well, 
that I have something between my ears besides vacant air, and I am proud of the job I did with my sons as their manager and guiding force. Although I know I was wrong in my approach, but there again, what the hell could I do when my own wife, Miss Joanne Marks, Mike Love, and a bunch of phonies that kept coming out of the walls would trick you all into thinking I was a mean man. (laughs) It was around this time that Murray put together his own group called the Sunrays, um, which was, you know, featuring Carl's friend Rick Hen and some of his buddies. Um, They were definitely just Beach Boys clones, and they had songs like Out of Gas and Car Party, and they weren't really great singers or performers, but they had a minor hit in the summer 65 with uh, I Live for the Sun. Murray asked his sons to bring them on tour, but they refused his offer, and that really pissed him off, too. Um, you know, all this stemmed from, you know, them firing Murray as their manager and producer in um, 1964, and then he showed up during the Help Me Rhonda sessions trying to tell them what to do again, and he was drunk, and Brian kind of went off on him and told him to leave. Um, and it's just really sad that, you know, this is what, it came to because man like we all know how sweet and and good-hearted brian is and the guys just wanted to make good music and murray was just messing everything up with his bad attitude and his alcoholism and he just like wanted it to be all about him and he wanted all the credit and he's obviously a very resentful mean-spirited person and it really bums me out obviously he and brian um we're able to work together again on a few occasions and we'll get into that obviously, but this is such a a low point for their relationship. It really, really bums me out and you can't help but feel bad for Murray too. I mean, like his marriage fell apart and his sons kind of hated him and he was kind of pushed into a corner. Um, But I mean, he did some really awful stuff and he, you know, he continued to do awful things and we'll find out more about that eventually too. But just a real bummer, man. Um, it's a big part of, of what made the Beach Boys who they are, but, um, you know, good and bad. Yeah, I mean, he just wanted a pity party, it sounds like, because he knew that they were going to be more successful than he was putting on, but he was trying to do everything to belittle them, obviously, to make them, you know, because some people think if you can belittle them and put them down, it'll stop them somehow. Which, puts, which usually it turns it the other way makes them more motivated. So, um, but yeah, I don't have much more to say than what you said about that. Well, <clears throat> getting back to the song in question, I'm bugged at my old man is, is playful, but you know, it tells a deeper, darker story. Like I was saying, um, and it's kind of a dig at, at his father, um, and everything that they had been put through. And I think Brian's feeling a lot more confident at this point. He's obviously in control of his own destiny, and the Beach Boys are crushing it on pretty much every level. He finally has time to, you know, work on these tracks and compose these songs. I really like the version they did on the It's Okay TV special in 75 or whatever. Um, I thought that was hilarious. crazy big shirtless smoker brian singing this song and kind of 
laughing his way through it. I think it's charming as, as all get out. I really enjoy that one. But um, this version's cool. Brian sounds great. And um, it's one of those, you know, weird little funny filler songs. But I give it a four out of ten. I always felt uncomfortable with this song, to be honest with you, because I knew the backstory not too long after I first heard it. I figured it all out, you know. It was always just a weird one for me, so three out of ten. It's 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 important, but it's also kind of spooky. They did one last track on this particular session, and um, it was a song that Brian and Mike wrote called And Your Dream Comes True. You're so sleepy, take one. Look, we're going to do it like this. We're going we're gonna to have section one, section two. All right, section, you're so sleepy, section one. Take one. Wish that he could stay. Wish that he could stay. Is it going to be four sections? It's going to be yours. Hey, wait a minute, go, go get the key, Brian, on the piano. The key. Get the get key. The key. I got it. What? That's good enough. No, it isn't. Well, you were right. Ow. This was a variation on Baba Black Sheep that Brian wrote in the style of the Four Freshmen. And uh, I think it's a beautiful track. I've always loved this. When I was first getting into picking out harmony parts and um, working on my own voice, this was one that I would sing through a lot and try and figure out the parts. And uh, it's really intricate, really, really beautiful. I give it a 7 out of 10. You're so sleepy Wish that he could stay this track it's hard for me to not give it an eight i'm going to give it a seven but i want to give it an eight um i love it it's like dense rich harmony and i like that it was done in sections you know like he ended up doing good vibrations and smile i think i read somewhere somebody saying this was kind of one of the first instances that he did that he cut it up and did it in pieces so for that i love it and for the rich sound of it and I don't know. I, I can't really put much more into words other than it is awesome. I love it. So Brian joined the band again soon after that because they had a show in July on the 3rd at the Hollywood Bowl. And it was with the Righteous Brothers, Dino, Desi, and Billy, the Birds, Sonny and Cher, the Kinks, Donna Lauren, among others. It's a really big show. And then the next day, a badly promoted 4th of July show in San Francisco drew only 3,500 people for a performance on a hot, muggy afternoon. And the promoters were unable to pay one of the support acts, the Kinks. So they came on stage and waved and then just walked off. Very, very funny and weird. Um, I guess, you know, for whatever reason, they just didn't promote the show well enough. You only get 3,500 people to a show like that. It's crazy. Yeah, that kind of blows me away. The album came out on July 5th. Summer days and summer nights. The cover was for the Beach Boys on a boat in the ocean. It's a great cover. We're only missing Al, really, because he was sick that day. And Bruce still wasn't a member at that point. He was just touring. But it reached number two on the Billboard 100 
and number four on the UK album chart. The uh, number one spot was held by, obviously, the Beatles at the time, their uh, Beatles 6 album. Each of the band members, once again, wrote a couple paragraphs on the back of the album sleeve addressing the fans. And uh, Brian made a note saying, the rest of the band is enjoying singing Beatles songs while I write this. So this is a theme that keeps coming up. The Beatles were really taking over at this time. They had several hits that summer, and they embarked on a really big U.S. tour in August because they were putting out their new movie, Help. But yeah, man, the record, we've talked about it a good bit now, man. I really love this album. Um, I thought it could have been a lot better. I thought that in context between the Beach Boys Today and Pet Sounds, it kind of falls flat for me. But um, it's kind of just all summer long part two which is what they were going for they needed a summer record they needed a big smash and california girls and help me ronda were huge so it worked out really well for them um it was on the charts for a very long time um partially because they didn't put out another um, original album for a long time but i give the album a seven out of ten as we went through this album wyatt I really realized how much I listened to this album, especially when I was younger and even in college. I listened to this record a lot. Um, and, I, and I think obviously because it had those big hits on it, but because I loved the sound and the feel of it. So I just sometimes don't give this album as much credit as due to being how influential it was on me. So, you know, I kind of give it seven out of 10 based on everything that we talked about, but it really is a very special record to me. Um, I like it almost as much as I love All Summer Long, which is one of my all-time favorite albums, too. So, yeah, I love the feel. I love even some of the goofy tracks we talked about and the acapella stuff and the instrumental. To me, it, it might not be the most cohesive Beach Boys album, but it shows a lot of range, and it shows... A, a large range of Brian and Mike's creativity. So I think it's a really great showcase. And it's also kind of the end of an era in a way. So um, love it. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the highs on this album are really high, but there's also some songs that are kind of mediocre too. So I, I, I think, yeah, it's a little uneven is really what I was thinking after, especially after coming out of the beach boys today, which I think is a super consistent album. I think it's the most consistent album they put out to that point. You know, there's less filler. There's more just, you know, great songs. And this one, there's probably half of the record I would say is great. And then the rest is good. So, um, Obviously, some really great vocals on this record with the new technology they were able to get into and uh, some of the uh, arrangements. Brian was obviously getting into some more advanced um, chord structure and um, just sort of part writing and kind of getting more familiar with, with what the instruments could do for the rock sound. But... Um, Again, I think it's, in a lot of ways, it's a step back or kind of a, a, a regression from the Beach Boys today. And I think that's on purpose. I think they wanted to do something that was more accessible, especially, you know, for the summer. They wanted to do another summer album. So it's perfect for what it is. Um, it, it experiments just enough, but it's also very familiar. And it's got some great hit songs on it. Um, it's hard to say, man. I think my favorite track is probably Summer Means New Love, but I love Let Him Run Wild and California Girls, obviously. Those are amazing Woo! songs. Uh, my, fav- my favorite's probably... I-, I don't count Help Me Rhonda and California Girls because I just say those are hit singles. I try to look at these earlier records like Beatles albums, you know what I mean? We were kind of talking about that yesterday. Um, excluding those two, gosh... I think Let Him Run Wild's my favorite with You're So Good To Me nipping at its heels. I love those tracks so much. Yeah, man, those are some great songs. Um, what else is there to say about this record, man? It's, it's a it's a really important record, really cool. The album um, cover is killer. Yeah, I love the album cover, too. I wish Al was on there. It's a bummer. 
He was sick, right? Yeah, he was sick that day. He Didn't said that on happened the... a lot. Happened a lot to him during that. He <laughs> missed several photo shoots. Yeah, he missed all summer long as well. Gosh, um, Al, come on! Two of their best <laughs> album covers. Well, what are you all, thinking? On the back of the record, I thought it was funny. You know, they had all the little paragraphs that they wrote, and Al's said, uh, "Sorry, I missed the boat for the cover shoot." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I love that. But um, yeah, definitely check it out. You know, if you guys haven't, um, check out the vinyl because it's got those rad little uh, testimonials on the back. And, uh, you know, what an important record. Had two of their biggest hits on it. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, often overlooked because of where it falls in the discography. But, um, you know, the state of popular music was changing really fast at this time you know i i think not only the beatles but like other bands like the zombies and the kinks and the rolling stones from britain were putting out amazing records and then uh american artists like the birds and bob dylan were like putting lyrics and folk music at the forefront and brian loved all this stuff and he was inspired and also motivated by the competition of it and this was all culminating in what would be later known as the greatest era of the Beach Boys, but before that, they threw a party. That's what we're going to talk about next time. Party time. Party time, baby. Yeah. So, I want to thank um, the patrons of the show. We have a Patreon page if you guys are interested. It is www.patreon.com slash on if you find value in the show and you want to support us and get some bonus content. We are doing bonus episodes every month and then we are halfway to 50 patrons. And once we reach 50, we're going to do two bonus episodes every month. So I wanted to say thanks to you guys. Just name off our special patrons, Alex Horner, Bruce Harbour, Daniel Valencia, David Jacobs, Dennis Kelly, Jackie Capewell, Jeffrey Castel del Oro, John Dossert, Kim Lang, Lee, Logan Wally, Michael Kimsel, Murray Passaru, Neil Columbari, Pete Needle, Ruth Shields, Scott Kennedy, Sean Franklin, Stott Howard, Thomas Brent Funderburk, Thomas Beto, Timothy West, and Wayne Barnes. So you guys are awesome. Really appreciate y'all. Look forward to next week's Sale on Radio episode, which we are doing our favorite Beach Boy covers. So all kinds of rad stuff all over the map. It's going to be great. Anything else from you, Jason? I just want to thank everybody for listening and thanks again to all the people that come see us play, that listen to the podcast and connect with us. I think it's one of our favorite things about being on the road is meeting you guys that are listening. So do not be shy when you come see us. Yeah, come out and see us. Check our dates. We're playing a lot this year. Um, and yeah, it's just a fun way to kind of get to talk to more people and share our love with the Beach Boys because sometimes, you know, we'll play out these small areas and somebody will come out and just say, man, I found your podcast. I don't have any friends here who like this stuff. <laughs> I don't have anybody to talk to. So it's awesome to get to hear you guys and come see you and talk. Um, so we appreciate it. Um, we're just huge fans. We're not experts. We're not journalists. We're just kind of working through this as you guys are. So if you have comments, questions, tips, stories, anything, give us a call. Leave us a voicemail, 615-606-3887. You can write us at saleonpodcast at gmail.com. Our music, expertly crafted by none other than Will C. Willcmusic.com. And until next time, hang on to your ego and sail on sailors.
you can see chunky, hunky Brian getting into those white pants, and it's not as easy as it used to be at this point. So, And Carl's also getting a little thick at this point. Good Lord. <laughs> what? I mean, he is. It's great. It's fun. Uh, how the hell do I turn this thing off? <laughs>